Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. These days, safety and concern for the vulnerable among us and ourselves is paramount. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced the legal community to pivot in many ways, with depositions and other hearings which are normally done in person going virtual. So today, we examine remote depositions, best practice, and pitfalls. We'll hear from three key people affected by these changes, working directly with them. An attorney, a court reporter, and an industry leader in court reporting solutions. First up, let's talk with attorney Julianne Fitzpatrick from the law firm of Kenny and Sams. Attorney Fitzpatrick is also a member of the MBA's Labor and Employment Section Council. In the past few months, I've taken several depositions uh, remotely using Zoom, which has been very smooth and, and very efficient. And I've actually really enjoyed learning how to do it this way. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, most of the depositions I took or participated in were in person, although I had participated in a few remotely over the phone in large cases, um, but in a very, very narrow context um, and in a very limited role. For example, in those cases, wouldn't have a speaker role, I was more listening in, and the attorneys who did have speaking roles did still appear in person. And so this is definitely uh, a new experience where all of the participants in a deposition, the witness, all the attorneys, the court reporter, are all participating using Zoom or some other video, online video platform, and that we are all in completely separate locations. Oftentimes, uh, no two of us are in the same room. So that is a big change. We're all getting used to this whole new lifestyle online. How have the clients that you work with adapted? And, and what's your role as an attorney in, in trying to help people through this, this new navigation process? I think clients have adapted really well, um, especially in certain industries. Um, they might already be used to using a lot of these technologies. It's nice that we can show them that we're willing to be flexible and do whatever it takes to connect with them where they mm. are. Mm. Um, most clients uh, these days do have access to a laptop or an iPhone or something with a video capability. Um, and so I've, I've had several client meetings uh, over video. We've even done screen share. It's been particularly helpful. Uh, if you're viewing documents together, pull up a document on your screen and actually walk through line by line together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had, though, just a, a lot of um, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, although oftentimes I find that uh, a phone call sometimes will get the job done quicker than even emailing back and forth. So sometimes the, the old fashioned way, even though it can't be in person, ends up being a little bit more efficient. You mentioned documents so that if you're efficient and you have your documents on your computer, whoever you are, and you have access and can call them up by folder or topic, then you're in pretty good shape. It's probably less crazy than all the paperwork that gets strewn around a desk. Yes, absolutely. And that's true when you're in a deposition too. In fact, the organization of exhibits leading up to your deposition is critical. There, there are different ways when you're in the middle of a remote deposition now that you can present uh, exhibits to the you know, to all the other parties involved, uh, to the the witness and to their counsel um, and anybody else who might be attending. Before, 
oftentimes attorneys would come with copies of all the exhibits that they thought they might want to use, maybe three or four copies of each so that way everybody could have one. Um, you'd walk in with a big a big file folder with them and you'd you'd go through and, and decide as you were there and you know which ones to use, who to hand them out to, right. how many copies. If you needed to make more copies, you'd make more copies. And now um, it does streamline it a little bit and that, but it requires some advanced planning. You, I think you really have to have an even better idea now of which documents you might use. Um, and you do have to now coordinate with the other side as to how are you going to show them your documents? How are you going to show the witness your documents? There's different software you can use. Uh, something we've had success with is uh, it's called eDepose. And the court reporters taught me about it. And it's it's this whole online platform where you can upload your potential exhibits and uh, you use it separately from Zoom, but you can navigate your way through it and pull exhibits up, ask people to view exhibits in real time with you, um, and you can mark them as you as you go. But it's kind of this this database repository that you can fill up ahead of time and then use as you go. That I found really helpful in cases where you might have uh, numerous exhibits, maybe more than 10 exhibits, 20 exhibits, 30 exhibits. I found in, in cases where you might have, say, fewer than 10 exhibits, it might be easier and if you know what they are ahead of time, to flag them for opposing counsel, send them to opposing counsel and the court reporter a few days before the deposition and have them pre-marked uh, with the exhibit mm. stickers. And that way everyone can pull them up either on the device that they're using the camera on or on a different device, or if they even want to print them out in advance and have them. But that can be just as effective without needing to use a particular type of web-based software, especially for if you have fewer exhibits. Well, it seems to me that uh, your quite prepared to handle this, and you've been probably learning on the go, as we all have. But let's talk about advice you have first for clients to get ready for this kind of deposition. I know you give all kinds of advice attorneys do in a general deposition anyway, but what additional points of interest? And maybe there's some video etiquette issues. I'm not sure, but please fill us in. Absolutely. Uh, well, starting with, with video etiquette is, is a great idea. You know, you want to look presentable as you would as you're appearing in person. I think, thankfully, I found that most people are, are doing a good job of that um, just because we're we might be working uh, in different locations. We want to appear just as professional as, as we ever were. One key piece of this is the eye contact and looking at the camera. Oftentimes, depending on where you have the screen located on your computer screen, you might be looking at the person who's speaking to you, but if they're in the bottom corner of your screen and your camera lens is at the top, you're not going to be looking directly into the camera at them. And so one easy thing to do right off the bat is to is to practice looking directly into the camera that you're using. And uh, a trick I found that's helpful is if you actually move the screen that that is showing the person who say asking you questions that you're talking to, if you minimize it and move it right under your camera lens, you can look at your camera lens and at the person who's talking to you at the exact same time. And it feels more like a conversation. It's a little bit easier to maintain that eye contact. That is terrific. What a great tip for all of us, including me. I'm using a portable camera at the moment. So I've got to remember it's not attached to my computer. But let me ask you one more question about etiquette, and that is the backdrop. And it's become one of the topics du jour in everybody's uh, life. What kind of backdrop are you uh, working at? You've got a beautiful plain backdrop that uh, doesn't distract. Is that a good a piece of advice for clients and attorneys alike? 
I think so, yes. Um, I, I don't think that that necessarily requires that you have a blank wall like I do right now. Um, but as long as you don't have anything, I would say moving in the background, um, if it, if it, you know, a bookcase is fine. Glare is difficult with mm. windows. I would, um, if you're concerned about the lighting where you are, even if you're not concerned, it's a good thing to check um, before you sign on. So uh, at the beginning of, of a remote experience, um, whether it's a deposition or just a, a video call, oftentimes you'll be able to test the video before you join the call. And so use that as an opportunity to double check your lighting, double check, you know, do you need to close a blind? Do you need to move a lamp? Um, do you need to just move into a different room? But but you want to make sure um, that you are coming through as clearly as possible with the technology that you have. The question now becomes a comfort level with attorney and client. When one is in the same room, as we all know, you know there's that body language thing that happens. It's a little more tricky, perhaps, on, say, Zoom or a conference call on video. How do we establish good communication contact while we're live on camera? That's an excellent point. Um, and especially because uh, not only are we separate from uh, parties who we might be opposing, um, but we're separate from our own our own clients right. and our own attorneys. Right. Uh, I, I think communication just before, on breaks, and after is key. So uh, I, I think it's even more essential for attorneys to, first of all, touch base with your client the, the day before your deposition. You probably were used to doing that anyway. But make sure you you touch base with each other and talk about uh, what it's going to be like to appear on camera. We recently did a dry run in a case I was working on, and I think that allowed the client to feel just as comfortable as us. We knew the technology was working. We could start to get used to seeing each other on camera more and, and what each other's um, body language was on camera, which is good. Then also you always have the possibility of uh, touching base during breaks. Uh, usually, you know, in an in-person deposition, you uh, and your client might go out into the hallway and have a conversation. What you can instead do in a remote deposition is turn off your camera, make sure you mute the audio. You want to do that. And then I recommend uh, then you just pick up the phone and either walk into another room or if you, you stay where you are and, and you can have that phone conversation, just make sure your hmm. your audio is off right. um, because that is a privileged conversation you don't want anybody to hear. And I would make sure your video is off too. You don't need people to see that you're on the phone and trying to read your lips. Um, you just want to keep that as private right. as possible. But it, it, it really does, it does have the same you have much of the same capabilities right. that way. And so, um, and also just, you know, having each other's cell phone number handy is helpful. So as soon as you go on break, you can make a quick call. Um, some clients would, would prefer to, you know, send a quick text. That's fine too. And then uh, making sure that, you know, after the deposition, uh, again, you touch base, see how it went, make sure they, they're comfortable, see if they have any concerns. Basically, just like how you would uh, at an in-person deposition, but those points of client contact are essential and, and letting the clients, making sure the clients know that they can contact you too. Now, the, the thing you have to be careful about is during the deposition itself, uh, attorneys cannot coach. Um, that's, that's, uh, uh, right in the, the civil rules. Uh, you can't coach when your, your client is answering. That's something you don't want to do with your own client. You, you certainly don't want, uh, somebody else's client to be doing um, in mm. response to your questions. Mm. And so uh, one way you can prevent that when you're doing a, a remote deposition is at the outset of the deposition, you can put on the record, um, you can ask 
you can ask the deponent to confirm uh, whether they are in the same room as their attorney, whether they're separate from attorney. You can ask them to uh, agree not to consult with not to look at their phone or use any other sort of uh, email or, or chat feature uh, during their deposition. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ask them that if to confirm that if somebody comes into the room where they're being deposed, that they will immediately pause and ask whoever came into the room to leave. Um, and you can lay that out all on the record at the beginning of the deposition. So that way the witness knows um, this is just as serious. This is under oath. And just because we have these uh, a multiplicity of technological capabilities does not mean you should be using them during this singular proceeding. That is very valuable information, Julianne. And that's a perfect segue to the question of what the Supreme Judicial Court is saying about this. They recently had some rulings on the subject, and I know you've had a chance to take a quick review. Is there anything in there that's radically changing the landscape, or are we just moving along pretty much steady as you go? In, in its recent order, which is uh, a meant to replace its an order before that, so it, it's building on itself and and showing how the the court is progressing and and uh, responding to these times as as we all are as they're developing. Um, the the order essentially sets forth that any party can. Uh, participate in a remote deposition and conduct a remote deposition without a stipulation or a court order. Uh, So it's opening the process up and and saying you don't need explicit permission to do that, although you do need permission to do that by telephone. Um, But when the court in this order says remote deposition, um, that seems to mean uh, by, by, you know, a, a visual and audio way of seeing the person who is being deposed and uh, the other participants in the deposition. There is a distinction that uh, both the court order draws and that the the rules actually have always drawn, even before um, the COVID-19 pandemic, between a a typical deposition and an audio-visual deposition. Uh, An audio-visual deposition is something specific that you have to notice. Uh, You have to say that you intend to record this deposition to preserve this deposition using audio, using visual. And you typically do that uh, for a a witness who might not be available at trial. And so that way you could play the audio or visual at trial in place of them testifying there. That's just an example of why you might do it. Um, But because of that, there are a, a a bunch of rules specific to how those audiovisual depositions are noticed, how they're conducted, who's allowed to be in the room, who is doing the recording, uh, what information the witness must have provided to them. Um, and that is still different from a remote deposition, uh, which is taken remotely just because we all, it's not safe for us all to be together in the same room, but it's not recorded. And so that's something to, to look out for um, actually at the beginning of a deposition to make sure and to put on the record, you can even say this this is a deposition, it is not an audiovisual deposition. Um, and that signals that although we are using uh, computer audio and visual features to be able to take this deposition, it's not being recorded and it's not gonna be used in the same way in proceedings going forward. So the court and the system itself is adjusting as it goes, as it should. Uh, I think it that's is. appropriate. It is. Right. The court's been right. incredibly responsive to all of this. And just a final question, Julianne, how does the future look in your mind when it comes to remote work and audiovisual components as opposed to in person? We're going to get rid of this pandemic sooner or later, but how is it going to work for you in the future, do you think? Uh, I think we will see a return to some in-person depositions, but I don't think remote depositions will 
will become uh, a thing of the past. I think they're here to stay. And in fact, I think they can be a very useful tool in in certain types of cases. I'm thinking large cases with uh, maybe multiple parties, uh, multiple attorneys, perhaps uh, cases that otherwise would involve travel. Conducting depositions remotely could be continue to be more efficient for, for all those involved and, and might become a preferred way of moving forward. Next, let's hear from Lori Berg. She's a real-time court reporter who specializes in complex medical and technical depositions. You know, it's funny, at the beginning of every deposition, I let the attorneys know um, that I'm working with that remote depositions are, they're basically the same as in-person depositions. The only the only thing that we have that, you know, um, is a challenge is technology. Um, and most of the time it works great. Uh, and then you have those times where people have internet issues. Or one of the things that I talk about a lot is making sure that people speak one at a time. Because, you know, on Zoom, when two people talk, it cuts people out. So if there's, you know, any testimony and someone's speaking over one another, that's probably the biggest hurdle is really, in, in us court reporters, we say it all the time, please one at a time, please one at a time. That's been the biggest hurdle is everybody slowing down in allowing this process to work with the Zoom platform. Because um, most of the time, I, I'd say like 99.9% of the time I've been on Zoom. When I've taken that position. Prior to the pandemic and the rise of Zoom, which has been amazing, were you using other technological platforms or has it always been Zoom for you? Before March 19th, I had never taken a Zoom deposition at home mm-hmm. before. I've taken telephonic depositions in a pinch when they really needed a court reporter. Um, and we all basically, um, you know, converged on the telephone. So when I would go into a law firm or be at a court reporting office or at a hospital, I used to take a lot of doctor depositions. We would we would use Zoom. We would use like different kind of video conferencing software that I never really, I didn't have to worry about that because wherever I was, somebody would take care of it for me. So it's been a little bit, um, I was familiar with the technology. Now I'm really familiar with Zoom. <laughs> As we're all learning. Yes, you know, the out of necessity, we have to we have to learn that. What yeah. have you noticed since that fabled date of March 19th? Have most people in the field professionally gotten their sea legs when it comes to this? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was funny back in April when all when I started actually taking Zoom depositions because there weren't any in the very beginning. It seems like because everybody thought we'd be going back in two weeks, which we didn't go back in two weeks. So everybody was putting it off. And I was taking maybe one Zoom deposition a week. And then attorneys started trickling in. And now it's, you know, now it's really, really busy. And it's funny because I I took a deposition on Friday and the attorneys, it was their first Zoom deposition. And then there are attorneys that I've been working with that literally have probably taken dozens since April and I actually have one one kind of cool story. Um, we use a platform for exhibits called eDepose. I actually got certified for it back in 2014. And up until April of this year, I never used it, not one time. Never, ever used it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually a really great, it's a great um, technology to be able to introduce exhibits. And everybody can either um, access it on a computer or on a tablet. And I took this really big case. It was uh, at the end of June and into July. And when we first, the first day on the case, there was an attorney and she was really intimidated by the Zoom and she was even more intimidated by the e 
And after about three depositions in, if we had any anybody trying to log on to e-depose or Zoom have any issues, she was the go-to person. Like, that's how quick she learned it. And she's like, oh, now go try this, try that, try this. And it was really, it was really great to watch, you know, yeah. like she picked it up. And that's kind of how, like trying anything new, you have to just learn. People are really stepping up and right. learning Lori, to do. do you offer uh, tips before a deposition from your point of view? Do you offer it to the attorneys on the other side and certainly to the the individuals involved? And if so, what would those tips include? Okay. I actually have a little sheet that I use before every single deposition. Great. um, Just to make sure I don't miss anything. So, I mean, one of the tips is going to be like what I had said about people speaking one at a time and not speaking over each other um, and how important it is. Like it's actually imperative that people will speak one at a time so they don't because the technologist can't handle it. It just cuts people out. And in a regular deposition, when people are all talking over, we can, you know, we can figure it out um, if we go back. Because all of our software, like, we all, well, we all have audio, that, um, like a backup, just in case something happened mm-hmm. in a deposition, we can always um, go and access it. But with the Zoom, and if something gets cut out, you absolutely have to interrupt. So I let them know I'm going to be interrupting because I need to make sure I have an accurate transcript and a full question and answer. I also, one thing that is a little bit different too, is when all of this started, there were some people that were instrumental in getting it so that we can swear in witnesses remotely and we don't have to actually be with the witness while uh, the deposition is going on. So I read the stipulation on the record every single time before you know, we start the deposition and the attorneys that are present have to agree to it, which basically allows me to report remotely. If you are being deposed, I can do this like from my home in New Hampshire rather than being down sitting next to you in wherever you are, Massachusetts. What about things that you might miss by not being there in person? Have you thought about that? And if so, is there anything that you're especially careful about? The only thing for me really is the talking over is making sure that people talk one at a time. I have heard from like attorneys, some people think the Zoom platform is really great. Some attorneys, they think it's great. Yet I've heard them talk about being in the room with the person that they're deposing to so they can get a sense of them. So I think that that might be something that an attorney might look look at. <laughs> well, we're talking with an attorney on this podcast about just that. And it is, a, listen, it's a, it's a different medium than obviously being there live, but it's something that we're all adapting to. So if there's a mistake that a, a lawyer or an attorney might make, let's see if we can help them avoid it in advance. What would be the biggest mistake or series of boo-boos that we can help them avoid? You know, I mean, all I can say is that speaking one at a time, mm-hmm. is that's really the biggest thing that it's so important. And, you know, taking a breath and letting the witness finish their answer before they start the question. In colloquy, sometimes attorneys tend to fight (laughs) or they argue. (laughs) It gets heated. And when it gets heated, it can't get heated on Zoom. They can fight, but they need to kind of pause and fight. And if something happens technically with Zoom and sometimes there are dropouts uh, and you miss something, are you able at that point, you talked about interrupting, are you able to at least ask for them to repeat that portion? Because it could be important. I always, yeah. If if there's anything that's technical or if people are speaking over, I stop, I just basically stop the deposition and say, excuse me, I 
didn't hear what you said. There were two people talking at once. Can you please repeat what you said? And one of the things that has been really great is uh, one of the agencies that I work with, O'Brien and Levine, when if there are any technical issues, literally, I just text them and somebody gets right on. They have text. IT people now, like they adapted really quick. They come on and solve everything for us, which is great. <laughs> it's really great. Your job is so critical. Just talk briefly before we finish up here uh, as to the role of the court reporter in general and why it's so important because even the smallest detail, if missed, could be a major issue. Just from your vantage point, you're very proud of what you do. Tell us why. Well, we're basically court reporters are guardians of the record. And, you know, we're there to make sure that in, I mean, legal proceedings, every legal proceeding is very important. No matter if it's for $10 or $10 million, they're all important because something's at stake and you want to make sure that what is being said in the room, what is going on in the room or in you know, the proceeding room, whether you're in, physically in a room or in a Zoom room that looks like the Brady Bunch, sort of, <laughs> you want to make sure that we, it, it's accurate. That's our job. That's what we're 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 trained to be to take everything down verbatim and be yeah. accurate. That's what we're that's what we're paid to do. Accuracy is the watchword, isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely. Finally, on today's podcast, Kenny Zayas, owner and president of O'Brien and Levine Court Reporting Solutions, joins us for his take on the new paradigm of remote depositions. We have done um, remote depositions for seven to 10 years with video conferencing, and then it moved over to mobile conferencing, but never at this, at this pace. If we look at the timeline of you know when this, when this all happened in March, everything went dark, right? So everybody went home. Everybody you know, were trying to figure out how, how they were going to, first of all, stay safe and get, you know, get themselves situated with CDC guidelines and how, how were they going to function, right? And so the, the remote depositions really were put on hold for 30, 60, 90 days until the SJC came out with its, its uh, court order of being able to hold these remote, remote venues. And so what happened was in June, things really started to take off with the remote depots. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course we had to pivot and, and do things uh, to be able to scale on this, this type of magnitude. So, yeah, just curious what your company had to do, anything in the terms of the technology upgrades, things like that, just, just in general, what you had to do to, as you say, pivot. What we had to do, I mean, we, first of all, everybody had to be positioned in a remote office, which we were just about there anyways. We would um, plan, I should say, for, you know, snowstorms or train delays, things like that. So we were, we were just about there. So we had to complete the process of making sure that everybody could work remote seamlessly. Okay. So this first thing we did, and then we had to, we had to get everybody trained you know, how to launch remote depositions, how to learn about remote depositions. I'm talking about my team mm -hmm. internally. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, training, training them and then our court reporters and videographers. So we had to go through these different iterations. And, the, and 
we actually, and then it was getting the word out, you know, getting the word out that we could, we could handle the remote depositions. Well, it's been a learning curve for most people in, in the work world to learn how to use Zoom and negotiate Microsoft and all the other platforms. But in your case, and in the case of this podcast, we're talking about legal restrictions and guidelines that you have to still follow. Does that put an added sense of pressure on attorneys and, and those involved in depositions? Because you have to do it by the book. People have adapted to, I mean, there were certain idiosyncrasies during a in-person deposition than there would be to a remote deposition. You know, it would be things like, you know, and, and you'll get perspective from attorneys on this, but, you know, we hear a lot of things because we cover a lot of, we cover a lot of proceedings, but how do we handle with, you know, coaching the witness so that that doesn't happen? And so certain protocols are put into place as you, as you say, doing it by the book. A, a whole different paradigm when you're in the room with somebody, eye contact, body language. It's it's a whole new world. What's been the feedback from the various people involved that you've talked with? I mean, from not just attorneys, but even from clients of attorneys. What, what are you hearing out there from your customers? That it is uh, a very efficient way of taking depositions. Of course, you know, there are folks that will always want to be in person and you know there are certain things that you 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 lose but then there's a lot of things that you gain on the remote side you know with hearings you know you you know you can you can really leverage your time in a different in a different fashion you know from the, from an attorney's perspective if they have hearings lined up on a given day they don't have to go back and forth. You, you could go do your work and then you can come back and then you can you can do your hearing and then you, you're not wasting a lot of time on the travel. So I think that's a big that's a big area. And from from my perspective in our business is we can do a lot. We can do more. A court reporter isn't going through town, you know, lugging their equipment from place to place. And if I have two or three different proceedings, that same reporter could do right. all three if the time time is permitted. Right. Well, it's pretty much accepted that telemedicine is here to stay. In your yeah. estimation, is is this really where we are, where we're going to be? Because it's just so convenient in so many ways. You know, I hear a lot of comments from I, I attend a lot of different uh, venues and a lot of different talks about is this here to stay? And there is a common theme that it is this is not going away post COVID, whenever that is. This is not going away. Remote depositions, I think, is here to stay. I think the landscape has been changed forever in a lot of ways, but there will still be the in person. People will still want to do in person, but I, they will take a look at, you know, how important is this witness? Do I really need to travel? Do I need, you know, is it, is it, is it a two hour deposition, a four hour deposition? And so I think people will assess things a little bit differently. And I think that it's becoming more commonplace so people are getting more comfortable with doing remote depositions. A couple of more things. The Mass Bar Beat podcast is, is aimed at two audiences, the general public, the consumers, but also certainly attorneys. This is a great resource for attorneys. In a very general way, what is the new construct for attorneys going forward in terms of dealing with video? What should they prepared, be prepared to do and be prepared to learn about going forward? Sure. The things that people fall into when, they, when they're doing depositions, I think the biggest thing they should do is test, <laughs> test their equipment, <laughs> test their bandwidth, test their connections, have their, have their witnesses test so that 
they're prepared the day of the deposition and, and it just doesn't create, you know, delays and, you know, and there are, there are certain common things that come up every time it would be, you know, make sure again, you're a stable Wi-Fi connection or make sure you're hardwired think, you know, yeah. lighting is proper, things like that, that, you know, it really just becomes getting prepared. And we cover that from A to Z from the beginning of training. We're there to help when the deposition starts. And I think that there are just some really common theme right. things that makes that sense. People need Finally, Ken, let me ask you this. Uh, This is a little outside the scope of what we're talking about, but you and your company have actually worked on a remote full trial, I believe, at least one. And that's another example of the technology coming to the rescue. But is this something that you think might catch on more remote actual trial work? I do think that that's uh, an area that is is being tested and tried and explored. and, and I do think that more will 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 take place. I think we'll get more perfected. I, I'm not saying that jury trials, uh, th- those are, you know, that's that's a, a whole different thing. But a bench trial, I mean, they're doing them now. Mm. You know, we we just got we just um, we're in the middle of some of that right now. And it's and we're doing it. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's effective enough to to do. Well, you've rolled up your sleeves and have a lot of work coming your way out of necessity. Congratulations and keep up the good work trying to sort this all out. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you to all of our guests, Attorney Julianne Fitzpatrick, Court Reporter Lori Berg, and Kenny Zayas, owner and president of O'Brien and Levine Court Reporting Solutions. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available for free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms. If you're a consumer in need of legal assistance, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service by calling 866-627-7577. Once again, that's 866-627-7577 or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar B, produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association. We invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich, thanking you for listening.